Uh, Philippians 3.12 through 4.1, as we continue our series on Philippians. The goal of Christianity, which you'll notice as we, as Steve read, uh, what, we're, what the theme of today's lesson is. Last week we looked at some things that don't matter in the first part of Philippians chapter 3. And I want to remind us of those things as we transition into thinking about the thing that does matter. It doesn't matter how severely you treat the flesh. Of course he was talking about those who mutilate the flesh and of course the circumcision of the Old Testament. It doesn't matter our racial or national history. Paul goes into this long list of I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm, I'm like the best of all the Jews, right? I'm, I'm this guy doesn't matter. doesn't matter where you're from. doesn't matter who, what your past is. It doesn't matter your religious history. Grew up in the church, didn't grow up in the church, grew up in a different church, grew up an atheist. doesn't matter. What matters is what? How are you relating to God right now? Have you approached him through the blood of Christ? What is your goal? It doesn't matter how passionate you are, how zealous you are. He calls himself, right, as to zeal a persecutor of the church. He cared a lot about God, cared a lot about what he thought was right, but that passion didn't matter because he didn't have the right knowledge of God's will. The sins of our past don't matter. Again, he says he's a persecutor of the church. He calls himself the chief of sinners, but that doesn't matter in the forgiving blood of Christ, the redemption that we have. It doesn't matter how much of a good person we are, how much we think that we're, we're following some other standard of righteousness. If it's not God's standard of righteousness, it doesn't matter how much society would say we're good people or how much our friends like us or how good we feel about ourselves unless we're submitting to the standard of God's righteousness. So while we read this last week, the transition from things that don't matter into the things that do matter, it bears repeating. For his sake, Philippians 3, verse 8, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. What all things? What we just talked about, right? His history, his national history, his religious history, how much he cared about God and his zeal, uh, the sins that he had committed in the past, the, the way that he was circumcised as a Jew. He's counted all those things as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that I, by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Only one thing truly, eternally matters, attaining the resurrection from the dead. By any means possible, whatever I have to give up, whatever I have to do, I'm going to make that my goal. Again, if we think it's so important, if it's so valuable, so much matters, rides on this, how do we do it? What does Paul expect us to do to attain the resurrection from the dead? As we go into the next section of the text, that's the question he's going to answer. Okay, I count all the other things. Those things don't matter. But what does matter? How do I get there? What do I need to do first? We have to keep the right goal firmly in mind and in heart. Philippians 3.13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. One thing I do, forgetting what lies ahead. We're going to read the same text a lot of different times, emphasizing different parts of it today. Forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The goal that he's looking toward, keeping it in his mind. He's pressing on toward the goal. What is the goal? The prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He already told us what that was. The prize is what? The resurrection from the dead. That's the prize. 
Verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform, what's the price? Who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. He says it in another place. That the perishable will put on the imperishable. This mortal will put on immortality by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. My beloved, stand firm thus what? That we're waiting for a Savior. We're waiting for Jesus who's going to do this awesome thing for us. Now, this is the end goal, right? The end goal... The resurrection of the dead, the prize of the upward call of God, spending eternity with him, the transformation from this mortal, perishable thing to that which is immortal. But there's many smaller goals along the way. Goals that, if we have the big end goal in mind, we have these checkpoints that we go through in our lives, right? Have I submitted to his righteousness in what's required for salvation? To repent, to be immersed, to confess my sins. Have I done those things? That's a part of this goal. Am I worshiping God faithfully with his children? Am I continuing to do that? Again, that is in service of the larger goal, but it is still a goal. Am I forsaking the dead works, the deeds of the flesh, and putting on the deeds of righteousness? Am I changing the way that I live? Again, that's in service to the angle, but it is still a goal. And as we think about the things that we're doing in our lives day by day, the question becomes, in what I'm doing... Is it helping me reach the goal? I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. If I want to get there, I have to have it firmly in my mind that that's why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. This is my purpose. This is what I'm striving for. To attain it requires new thinking. And sometimes, yes, support from others too. We read these verses again. Not that I have already attained it or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. This idea of pressing on, forgetting what lies behind, what is that? There's a transformation, a shift happening in my way that I think. I'm not thinking about the things of my former life. Again, those things that we listed, right? My religious history, my national history, the things of this life, the things that I've done in the past. I'm, I'm not thinking and focusing on those things, but what am I focusing on? I'm pressing on to make it my own, the call of God. Why? Because I belong to Jesus. I'm not my own anymore. That song we sing sometimes we, and in Scripture of various places that we were bought, we were purchased. He purchased us how? With his blood. He has made us his own through the saving blood of his sacrifice. And so now I'm thinking about his things. I'm taking the things that are his and I'm making those part of my life. I'm holding on to the things that he wants me to hold on to instead of, again, that which lies behind. The things that I used to care about, the things that I used to prioritize, the things that used to matter to me. Maybe some of them still do because they matter to Jesus, but those things that don't matter to me they don't matter because they don't matter to God and have changed the way that I think about things. Philippians 3.17, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on. Well, what, I thought the goal was what? Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Who's the us? 
might be the apostles, might be the, the ministers that had been working throughout the world at that time. Maybe he's thinking about Timothy and Epaphroditus, those who he's mentioned previously. But what are we thinking about? As I'm straining on towards the goal of attaining the resurrection, what's going to help me do that is to keep in mind those who are also striving for that same goal. Those who have set the example for me in what it means to forget what lies behind and press on to what comes in the future. I'm thinking about, of course, you here in this room. Sometimes I'm not going to be able to do it on my own. I need your help. I need to be reminded. What does that look like in the life of a person in our situation? Well, I have a hundred examples here with me today. What does that look like? I look to you, the example that you give to me. And hopefully you can look to me as the example of what that means, what that looks like to forget what lies behind and press on to make it our own. Philippians 4 verse 1. As we think about joy, we come back to joy a lot in Philippians. Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. What is Paul thinking about here? He's writing this to the Philippians. What is he saying? Part of this goal the resurrection of the dead is not just for him, but he's thinking about for them. His joy, in part, not just from his own resurrection, but from how they can attain this goal, how they are striving for the goal, how they can stand firm thus in the Lord. I'm changing the way I think. Those things that don't matter that we've listed several times Part of that is thinking about where we belong, what group we belong to, who is our family. There's a transformation, right? Jesus says it several times in the Gospels. Whoever loves father or, son, uh, father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. There's a transformation, not just in how I'm thinking about the goal of my life, but who am I helping? Who's helping me in this? Where do I belong? Where is my home in this life? so that I can have that home with him eternally in heaven. This is a, a hard, long journey. We need help from others. There's no shame in that. We read this morning in James, in James, right? If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, that without reproach. There's no shame in needing help. The shame is in giving up. The shame is in forsaking the goal, stopping, and tr stopping to try. We need help sometimes. And sometimes... We're the help for others. Wherever you are in your journey, I hope that we can help you in that. As we think about straining towards the goal, there's always struggles and barriers to overcome, aren't there? There's always difficulties, things that get in the way. Philippians 3 verse 12. The first thing that gets in the way is misunderstanding. Arrogance. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ is, Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. He's striving for it. He's going for it. He's pressing on toward it. But what does he say? I need to have in mind, I'm not there yet. I haven't made it yet. The thing that's going to get in the way of us achieving this goal is to think that we've got it before we really do. When will we obtain attain the resurrection from the dead. It won't be until we die, right? The end of this, the journey that we're on, we 
have not made it until we stand in judgment and hear, hopefully, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Enter into your rest, as the Hebrew writer would say. And so as we think about this life, continuing to have in my mind, not there yet. Not there yet, day after day, not there yet. Still pressing on, still striving, still changing, still improving, still working toward the goal. The minute I think that I've got it, it's the minute I lose it. Lose the progress that I've made. Verse 15, let those who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. If any of you think otherwise, what's Paul saying? This is a warning, right? You need to have this mind, this, this way of thinking. And if you don't, then you have it wrong. God will reveal that. How will he reveal that? Well, partially through his word, maybe through the example of others. Maybe just the conscience, the guilt that we feel, the shame that we feel. Only what? Let us hold true to what we have attained. Verse 18. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Things that get in the way sometimes are the people. Those who are the enemies of Christ. Who don't want us to submit to his righteousness. Who don't want us to have that particular goal in mind. Who think we should care about other things. And they might get in the way... Ultimately, if we adopt their mindset, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, they glory in their shame. And here's the final thing, with minds set on earthly things. How do I attain the resurrection of the dead by any means possible? I have to have my mind set on spiritual things, right? Heavenly things, eternal things. When I begin to get distracted by the things of this world, right? The God is their, their God is their belly, their passions, their appetites, the things that they want. When I'm thinking about what I want more than what God wants, then I'm losing sight of the goal. They glory in their shame. They care about the wrong stuff. Not only that, they do the wrong stuff and then they're happy about it. They glory in it. When I stop feeling guilt for sin, then I'm losing sight of the goal. Hopefully I continue to have, yes, there are things in my life that are sinful, but hopefully I continue to have Shame for those things. Guilt for those things. Why? Because that's going to help me stay focused on the goal. To return to the saving blood of Jesus time and time again. To ask forgiveness. To seek repentance. Because hopefully, ultimately, our minds are set on spiritual things and not earthly things. Fighting towards this goal is like fighting gravity. You can overcome gravity. We do it all the time. Here I am standing up. Right. But if... My muscles in my legs stop straining. My tendons and, and joints go loose. What happens? I fall over immediately. We all understand that, right? Gravity can be overcome, but only if we continual, uh, continually exert energy against it. That's what this is like. This is like a, a, a thing that we're pressing toward, we're striving for, we're going to, but the moment we stop expending energy toward that goal, we will begin to fall backwards, to slide back into the old ways of being, the earthly things, the things that don't matter. 
It's a message that bears repeating over and over and over, no matter how long you've been a Christian. How many worship services have you been to in your life? Well, some of us more than others, of course. But we continually meet together. Why? Because the minute I stop trying, I begin to fail. We come week after week, and hopefully day by day. You're spending time with other Christians. You're spending time in God's word. You're praying. You're thinking about ways to serve day by day. Because the minute we stop trying, we begin to lose sight of that goal. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 through 27. This is a marathon, not a sprint. It's not a one-time act. I was dunked in the water. I came up. Now I'm good to go. Hooray for me. I don't have to worry about it anymore. This is a lifelong journey. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. What is he talking about here now? We talked about this a bit on Thursday night. The analogy is imperfect. Only one receives the prize. That's fortunately not going to be the case with us. Hopefully we can all receive the prize. Yet there is an element of exclusivity, right? Because of those things we talked about that don't matter. It doesn't matter what your national history is. You don't have to belong to the right nation. It doesn't matter your religious history. If you've done things wrong in the past, if you've had bad understandings, and yet some of those things are going to keep people from the prize. When we focus on the wrong things, we might fail to obtain it. We have to exercise self-control continually, day by day. I discipline my body and keep it under control. We're not thinking about the things of the flesh. What does it say? Their, their God is their belly. They just do whatever their bodies want them to do it all the time. This focus on physical pleasure, physical desire. What is he saying here? Keep that under control. Or what? You'll be disqualified from the prize. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. The weight and sin. Well, sometimes sin is the weight, but there's other things that are the weights, right? The pull of unfaithful family or friends. Unfaithful people who would rather us do what they're doing. The pull of temptation. The pull of... Sometimes it's just apathy. I just can't care anymore. It's too hard. The pull of self-righteousness. Right? That we think, I want this particular thing, so we rationalize. How can I make this be righteous? How can I twist... What, is, what does Peter say in his thing, right? The, the unstable twist to their own destruction, the scriptures that are hard to understand. Sometimes that's the weight. The weight of our own desires, our expectations, false expectations. Remember what Paul was talking about with circumcision. Those who wanted to lay on the Old Testament on the Gentiles, you have to follow the old law. That was a weight that they needed to let go of. The old law that didn't matter anymore. I don't know what your weight is. I don't know what it is that's pulling you back away from the goal. But I know that whatever it is, is not worth losing the prize. And I know that whatever it is, 
Maybe you need help. You don't have to do it alone. You don't have to do this by yourself. What does he say? Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We're thinking about this so great a cloud of witnesses. Perhaps the people he's talking about in Hebrews 11, all of those heroes of faith, the cloud of witnesses, or perhaps our fellow athletes, those who are running this race with us. We're in it together, ultimately, hopefully, looking toward Jesus, who set the example of what it looks like to have the goal in mind, his goal in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? I don't want to do it. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Why did he do that? For the joy that was set before him. The joy, not the experience, but the end result of the experience. What? That'd be us. We're the joy. Have you thought about that before? You are the joy of Christ. Just like Paul says to the Philippians, my joy and my crown, talking about them, we were the joy for Christ. Why he endured the things that he did? Because our perseverance, our endurance, our faithfulness gives him joy. If Jesus were to return today, would you have met the goal? Maybe he won't return today. Maybe he will. I don't know. Every moment is technically as likely as every other moment. If you were returned tomorrow, would you meet the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus? I hope so. If not, maybe you're being dragged down by some weight. Maybe you have some misunderstanding about God's righteousness. Maybe you, there's some things in your life you're not willing to let go of. Let's talk about it. Let's address those things. Let's make things right. Because at the end of the day, only one thing truly matters. To attain by any means possible the resurrection from the dead.